I think we're looking at a year of financial fragility, whether it will mature into a crisis or not, and how widespread it can become at the moment, we cannot say. But financial instability should not be dismissed as a global concern. Hello, this is the weekly Tradecast, a podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're looking at our banks and how safe they are. In the United States, the sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank sent shockwaves through global markets. Concerns grew as Credit Suisse had to be rescued from collapse by being sold to its Swiss rival, UBS. As anxiety swirls about another financial crisis, governments have been quick to talk up stability and show support for the banking system. So how worried should we be? Joining us now to explain is Anastasia Nesvetilova, head of UNCTAD's Macroeconomic and Development Policies branch. She's been a university professor in London, is a big fan of classical ballet and an amateur ballerina herself. She's also written a couple of books on banks too. Well, thank you for joining us today, Anastasia. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. Well, why has the pressure on banks erupted what seems to be so suddenly? And what has the fallout been so far? Several questions in your question, and there are two schools of thought. On the one hand, you can always say that there were problems in these individual institutions, and there were. The American banks were left in so-called mid-size fragment of the banking system, which was mostly left under-regulated or under-insured after 2008. The management lobbied for lax regulation for their segments, and there were balance sheet problems. Credit Suisse had been in the news for some time now for various governance issues and uh, management issues. So you can always say that these are very specific problems with these individual institutions. But you raised a very important word in your question about the pressure on banks. And that gives you the second school of thought that, of course, these several banks are, in fact, too diverse. The American banks are very specialized in, in their lending patterns. They're very relatively small compared to global size. Whereas Credit Suisse is a systemically important institution here in Switzerland and a different type of, of a lender. So there must be something common in the financial context that can explain the pressure. And that something common is two things, really. One is the interest rate hikes right. that was done by the Federal Reserve and by other major central banks over the past year. They came after decades of very easy and cheap credit, and they affected the balance sheets of these individual banks. That It, it made their short-term payments out much more expensive than long-term investments that they have on their balance sheet, which is unfavorable and unsustainable for, for lenders. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, more globally, there is a pressure coming from the global market with investors seeking so-called safe haven assets. And mostly they're running from uncertainty, from global uncertainty, from geopolitical risks, from assets that may not guarantee uh, their value in a new inflationary environment, for example. So typically they seek 
haven in U.S. assets, which are considered to be very safe and, and long-term and kind of the, the gold standard for, for your value. Now, you mentioned the global financial crisis. I think it was 2007 to 2009. Are we heading for another crisis like that or an even deeper crisis? First of all, we can never predict the precise contours and timing of a financial crisis. There was um, a great financial historian called Charles Kindleberger, and um, he would say financial crisis is like a pretty person. You can you, you know when you see it, but you can never really describe it in advance what, what a beauty would be. So it's very similar with financial systems, and in fact it was the same in 2007. What is important to know is that the global context of overall uncertainty, capital flows into the U.S. market, fragilities in financial systems that had been left unregulated in 2009, unknown risks, because now we don't know, just like we didn't know back in 2006, the extent of shadow banking, for example, the level of these subprime mortgages and how deep they go into the system, the interconnections between various banks. So back then, a very local crisis, a crisis that was supposed to stay in America, it became internationalized through all these unknown and undetected channels. We don't know really what these channels can be now. Financial system has evolved quite significantly in the past decade or so. There was a lot of financial innovation. There was a lot of post-regulatory evolution that always creates its own risks. But on the other hand, I can say that our financial authorities, the central banks, have become much more skilled in bailing out financial institutions. They know exactly what to do. They have the toolkits. They can communicate better to the markets and they can coordinate better internationally their actions. It wasn't the position back in 2007. We are now in a more prepared policy world for that. The problem is that at the same time, the central banks are targeting inflation or are fighting rising prices. And clearly, one shock to the system now has been these interest rate hikes that have been going on for the past year that make credit more expensive, that make capital more expensive. And, and interest rates also affect investment decisions by, by major investors or financial institutions. So that would be something to watch carefully, the position of central banks between their priority of financial stability on the one hand, where you want to guarantee liquidity to the markets, where you want to guarantee confidence in your assets, and their price stability uh, commitment or anti-inflationary stance, which has been quite hawkish, and you can say it has so far been a, a relatively blunt use of, of interest rates as a policy instrument, but inflation is still high. Mm -hmm. And it will be a very careful policy act how to balance the, the two priorities, financial stability on the one hand and price uh, stability on the other. Well, how widespread could this become and what's being done or needs to be done to contain this damage? In the short term, I think the authorities acted actually reasonably well. A deal was rushed here in Switzerland over the weekend to, to bail out a bank. You can remember Lehman was allowed not to be bailed out also on the weekend. So th there is a sign that policymakers are prepared to act quickly. They know how to do it. They know how to organize uh, bailout packages or rescue measures. 
they learned to communicate between each other and, and to the markets more effectively. How widespread this can become, to be honest, we don't know. I think we shouldn't be complacent. Developing countries, or if you want emerging markets, are vulnerable because capital has been flying out into, as I said, safe haven countries and assets. That means usually away from more risky environments. At the same time, they do need to access capital for their long-term economic growth. In order to compete or in order to be attractive to investors, they need to offer higher yields, they need to offer higher returns. But that make, makes it even more difficult for them to tap into the global financial system. So that just adds more pressure on their currencies, on their bond markets, on their ability to borrow in dollars and to offer favorable terms to investment. I think we're looking at a year of financial fragility, whether it will mature into a crisis or not, and how widespread it can become at the moment, we cannot say. But financial instability should not be dismissed as a global concern. We mentioned developing countries. What are the specific risks for developed countries then? For developed countries, the risks are what we have seen in, in the US, for example. The unregulated segments of the financial system might well suffer from financial contagion. And the authorities will have to consider measures that hadn't been applied before in, for example, non-banking part of the financial system or in banks that hadn't been systemically regulated during the past 10 years. And that adds to financial stability concerns. Yes, there is a risk to financial stability. There is a risk of some eco of 2007-2009 crises. Well, that's not good news for us all. But as consumers, what does this mean for us? How safe is our money and our investments? The money, if we are invested in banks that are guaranteed for their deposits in the US or here in Europe, they're fairly safe. We, we have seen over the past few days just how committed American authorities, for example, are to bailing out depositors, to guaranteeing the funds and, and the investments. So I think it will be quite a, an important policy line and policy commitment not to fail individual customers and individual investors. Although there will be some classes of professional investors and maybe even institutional funds who will suffer losses. On the other hand, and maybe this is the silver lining in the, in the cloud, that should interest rate hikes become more gradual or be paused in light of financial stability concerns or not be pursued as aggressively as they have been, our mortgages, our loans will, will not be becoming that so expensive so quickly. Awesome. Silver lining of, on this cloud of potentially financially unstable year. Uh, but on the other hand, if central banks remain hawkish, that can mean uh, uh, stagflation, that can mean stagflation and a financial crisis, that can mean financial stagflation and a credit crunch, stagflation and financial collapses of institutions. So there, there is a, a range of scenarios and some of them are rather gloomy. But on the other hand, there is also a, a possibility that it will be managed politically in a careful balancing act. The world's already struggling with so many things right now. What do you think needs to happen to have any possibility of recovery then? The key central banks in the world, and that, that is the central banks of advanced countries, and mostly it's the Federal Reserve, 
need to be taking their decisions in light of considerations of the wider set of factors. So it's not just only inflation. It's a financial stability inside the economies, inside the advanced capitalist countries, but also the economies or economic prospects of developing countries. These are two main factors that need to be now much more centrally uh, under consideration when interest rate decisions are being taken by the authorities. Okay, well, thank you, Anastasia, for breaking that down for us. And that was Anastasia Nezvetilova, who was this week's guest. Tune in to the Weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Goodbye for now. <laughs>